Merry Christmas, Connection Point Church, and all of y'all that are gathering, whether you're at a neighborhood gathering, whether you are at your home with your hot chocolate, or however I like to imagine y'all engaged, ready for a message. If you're in studio, welcome. Now, we're starting a, a two-part Christmas series, and I, I'm excited about this, but let's be honest, it's been hard for some of us. I had this conversation with my wife uh, yesterday. It's kind of hard sometimes to get into the Christmas spirit this year. Maybe yeah, it's a little harder for you. We went and looked at Christmas lights last night, uh, went and watched a Christmas movie, and so I am in the spirit. I'm excited to, uh, to just get into the Christmas mood, and this uh, this series, A Weary World Rejoices, it comes from a very popular hymn, and it, 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 O Holy Night's the name of the hymn, and I just want to start off reading the context of this, of why we chose A Weary World Rejoices. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appears and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. How many of you right now can see the horizon? How many of you expect a new and glorious morning right now? Because that's what we're talking about. You know, last night, uh, or, or earlier this week, we had a Christmas party, and it was different than other Christmas parties, but it was so good just to celebrate all that God has done in this church this year. And really, it's amazing how just grateful I felt. And as I was thinking about how grateful I felt for the teams that were represented there that, that make this church go, all of the leaders that make this church go, I, I was drawn back to the idea that, you know, when we started this church, it was very difficult. In fact, at the Christmas party, I told the volunteers there, this may have been a hard year for some individual and, and uh, for some of us just personally, but this was not the hardest year for our church. And that's because our team and our church members and everyone that's a part of this church that makes this church go, which is probably you watching this, everyone who prays for our church, you know, we've been through so many hard things. I was reading a journal. I've been keeping a journal for about 10 years now. And the struggles that we had getting going in this church makes it so easy to go through difficult seasons now because we've been through hard seasons before and God has always brought us through. You know, in our fourth week of existence as a church, we ran out of money. We had no money for salaries, no money for rent, no money for anything. And I had just stood up in front of the church and I said, I don't know what to do. We have no money. But listen, this is where we're at. And our church responded. God showed up. We had a new and glorious morning. In fact, in fact the response from our church, the response that God provided for us was just, it was so self-assuring. And anytime we have uh, uh, money issues or I think things are tight, I think back to what God did then. And it just makes it easier to, to navigate those things today. You know, there was in our first uh, year as a church, there was a day in which 26 people total showed up to our church in person. And by the way, about 20 of those were volunteers or family members. And there were only four members of the, that were not either in the band or just that were just there for church. And I remember thinking, how are we going to make it by this? But you know what happened? God showed up. We had a new and glorious morning. And that is 
the, the idea of this series is that there is always, even when we are a weary world, we can rejoice because we've got a new and glorious morning for us. Here's a quote that I want to, to give us. You know, it says this. This is by A.W. Tozer. It says, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because there was a time when I would face problems and I would think, where is God in this church? We only have 26 people showing up or we're out of money. Where are you, God? And so what you think about is not God. Those thoughts were not God, but it's so key to how I lead or how I go through my life with a hope that God has promised us. So when we think about this idea of a weary world, when you are having a hard time, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That's going to, to tell you how you're going to face the next season of life, how you're going to deal with the troubles that you have. Some of us, we get into hard seasons and we think, where is God in this? Some of us think, like in, in, in Psalm 50, we think, man, God is, is not doing this the way I would do it. God isn't doing it the way. If he were doing it, if he were doing it the way I would, wanted this done, then this wouldn't be like this. Some of us have this thought when we go through hard times, well, of course this happened to me. You know, sure, God says he has to love the world, but he doesn't really like me. And some of us just have this burden of, you know, what we think about when we think about God is, yeah, God created everything. He's, he's awesome and all that. But really, when it comes to my life, God isn't going to be there for me. I can't trust God in my worst times. I can never be fully hopeful. And if that's what we think about when we think about God, it's going to affect everything about us. And that's why this story, that, uh, the Christmas story we're going to look at today is, is so exciting to me. You see, if we have a distorted view of God, we will have a distorted view of reality. We have, will have a distorted view uh, of life, and we will never see what God is about to do. We will never see the new and glorious morning. Now, we're going to look at the life of Mary this young girl, probably 13 to 14 years old. And she has found out she is pregnant and she is engaged, she is betrothed, but she is not married. And this is so scandalous. This could actually mean her life. They could actually have capital punishment against her. This is something that the, the community around her is going to shun her and say she is not worthy, say she uh, you know, is a sinful woman that should be discarded. In fact, when we pick up the story today in Luke chapter one, Mary is kind of, she's gone away for a little while. This is kind of, you know, what, what you traditionally done when a woman shows up pregnant before she's married. She, she would just, a, a girl, especially she, she's kind of gone away. She's gone to her cousin's house. But what I love about this is that Mary is having to navigate what God has told her. She has to navigate that she's got this promise that God is doing something amazing, that this child is of the Lord, that this child is going to save the world. But she also has this social pressure telling her, this is the worst moment of your life. This is the worst thing that could have happened to you. But what's amazing about this is Mary chooses to sing a song. How many of you, when the world is telling you this is your worst day, this is the absolute worst thing that could happen to you, you get up and you sing a song about how great God is? 
That's exactly what Mary does. And today I want to show you how to sing on your worst day, how to sing when you are weary, how to rejoice when the world is tired. Now, the life of a Jewish boy or girl was pretty similar, so we know that it set her up for good things. See, a a Jewish boy or girl at about age five or six would go to what's called Bet Safer, which is the house of the book. They would basically go to elementary school, but their elementary school would be a lot of reading the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, specifically the Torah. And in fact, they would begin learning to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And from ages five or six to about ages 10 through 12, somewhere on there, every single day, their schooling would involve memorizing the Torah. And so by the time a girl or boy was 12 years old, it was pretty much uh, just normal to be able to memorize the entire Torah and much of the Old Testament scriptures. Can you believe that? That, I mean, it was just almost every single one. Whenever you read in the Bible and it says, uh, it is, Jesus would say, it is written and he would teach, he didn't even have to recite the whole thing. Everybody knew, of course it's written. We've memorized all of that. And so, I was talking about this uh, the other day with uh, Joey and we're, I mean, it's just hard to fathom, right? But if you think about how much you have memorized, how much useless information you have memorized, how many movie quotes do you have memorized right now? I mean, think about it. It's a lot. How many random 80s songs do you have just lyrics in your brain going right now? If I were to to give you the first bar of Ice Ice Baby, 90% of us could sing the whole song. And it. some of you right now, you have that little hook. Dun, 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 dun right? That's in your brain right now. You, that's a little known fact about me. I have about five or six entire Public Enemy albums memorized from the 80s. This is no, I mean, you could try me. If you want, if you want to hear some verses, you sure? They're saying no here at the, okay. I, I was ready to roll with like, literally, I have albums memorized from the 80s, and they do me no good. So when we get to, to Mary and she begins to sing to rejoice, It's not because she's just more spiritual than you. It's not because she's somehow closer to God. It's because she spent a good portion of her life filling her heart with the promises of God. And that's the key today. I want to give you a verse. Proverbs 4.23, it says this. It says, guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. Guard your heart more than anything else. The source of your life flows from it. How do we guard our hearts? How do we rejoice when the world is weary? It's we fill our hearts with God's promises. Now, I'm going to go through a song that Mary sang when she was with her cousin and, and she was feeling the pressure. She was running away from some of the social stigma, but she was also being around her, her cousin who was also pregnant with a, a child that was promised by God. And so they, they had the promises of God and they had the hope of God on one side, but then on the other side, they've got the, the world telling them this is awful. This is a hard thing that you should not be rejoicing. And she chooses to rejoice and she sings this song. And what we want to see in this series 
is how much of this song is simply a reflection of those promises from the Old Testament. The first thing that I want you to see is that I can choose joy when I magnify God. I can choose joy when I magnify God. Verse 46 says this. It says, and Mary said, and, and, and she, she said it, but she actually sang it. And, um, and, and by the way, when she's reciting this, we get this from Luke, who was a doctor who went back. If you read the, the beginning of his uh, testimony on Jesus, he actually goes and he interviews the people that were there. And, and we have every reason to believe that, that Luke went and sat down with Mary and, and, and she's giving a firsthand account. So there's, this good, uh, there's a good chance that she's recalling this. And there's this moment where Luke is sitting across with his pen and she's telling him, this is what I said. This is the song that I sang. And she's reciting it. Maybe she even sings it. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's the first thing she's saying. Should I sing it? My soul, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do it. Um, that would be real distracting by saying every bit of her song, right? My soul magnifies the Lord is what she says. And by the way, the Latin uh, phrase to magnify is magnificat. And when, we, when I first time, the first time I ever preached on this, I, uh, I said, Joey, hey, I'm going to preach on the Magnificat. I don't know that he knew what that was. I said, can you make a logo for this series? And I want to show you the two logos he sent me. Okay, here's the first one. If you can see it, this logo is a cat that is riding a uh, unicorn. I, I don't know if it's showing on there or not, but there's a cat that's on the, uh, that's showing. And then the, here's the, the next one, and it's pretty... I'm just going to show it for a second, but it's pretty rough, okay? Yeah, we'll go away from that one. That was the first time that I ever uh, said Magnificat, but it just comes from that word, I magnify, or, or my soul magnifies. And so it says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, this is interesting to me because she starts off, my soul magnifies the Lord. And if you know anything about uh, that, that idea of magnifying Jesus, magnifying the Lord. That's something that Jesus's cousin, John, that's one of the first ideas he, he gives us when he's talking about his relationship to Jesus. And it's fascinating because she sings a song with, his, with John the Baptist's mother. She would have she heard, Elizabeth would have heard Mary singing, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so every day I can just uh, picture uh, Elizabeth telling John the Baptist, you know, we've got to magnify God. We've got to make ourselves smaller. And so it's fascinating that John the Baptist, he says in John 3.30, he says, I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. Uh, it reminds me of a selfie. If you ever take a selfie, when we, when we think of magnifying, if I take a selfie, if I want to take a selfie and I put the phone just right up close to my face, you're not going to see anything. You're not going to see anything but my big old mug. But if I want to show you what's behind me, the background behind me, what I've got to do is I've got to make myself smaller and I've got to make what I'm trying to magnify the focus and so that's what, that's what Mary starts off with, is we've got to magnify the Lord. We've got to make ourselves smaller, and it's got to be, if I want to find joy, I've got to magnify what God is doing. Now, where'd she get this idea? 
Maybe she got the idea from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, that's where Hannah says this prayer. She says, my heart exalts the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Exalt is to magnify. Maybe she got the idea from Psalm 34, 3 that says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Maybe she got it from Psalm 69, 30, which says, I will praise the name of the God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You see, her heart was filled with these scriptures. And so when she gets to a tough, tough time, rather than saying this is the worst thing, the first thing she says is, well, I'm going to choose to remember those promises. And the first thing I'm going to do is what the Old Testament promised me. I'm going to magnify. I'm going to choose to magnify God. And that's going to bring joy. Verse 47 goes on. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. How can you have hope that God is going to save you? Maybe she was thinking of Psalm 35, 9, which says, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. Maybe it was Psalm 18, 46. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and be exalted the God of my salvation. Maybe it was Isaiah 61, 10. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of his salvation. Maybe it was Habakkuk 3.18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Maybe it was the stories of, uh, of the Hebrew people being saved out of slavery in Egypt. Maybe it was the story of Joseph in prison and God saves him and, and brings him up. But what I want you to see is that a Christian cannot be pessimistic. We cannot in our, our, our hard and difficult times be overwhelmed with anxiety all the time because we have too many promises of what God can and will do. When Mary's at this hard time, what does she do? She magnifies Jesus. There was a time, you know, when one of Jesus' friends came and, and she was so sad because her brother had died. And Jesus begins to weep with her. But what did Jesus do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is a God who resurrects. Anytime we have him as the focus, we never, ever have to worry because he is our salvation. There was a time in, uh, in April or May when I was meeting with our elders and we were trying to navigate uh, what looked like to, it was going to be a hard year. And I remember my brother said, you know, I'm so excited to see what God is going to do in a time as difficult as this. That's how a Christian thinks. We are filled with the promises of God. We know he's done great things. We are always hopeful for the future. Let's go to the next one. I can trust God to change my life. Some of us may feel st stuck and think, how can I ever get past this? I've ruined this. Or maybe this is such a bad situation. Think about how Mary, how am I ever going to get over this stigma that is, that is covering my life, but yet this is what she sings. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, now on all generations will call me blessed. Maybe she got this crazy idea from 1 Samuel 1.11 when Hannah prays for a son and she makes a vow, I'll give this son to you, Lord. And so her response when she, when she has a son is this. She vowed, she took a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget me, your servant. 
but I will give you a ser- your ser- you will give your servant a son, and then I will g- um, then I will give him to the Lord. She gives away and she says, even in my lowly state, I know you're there. Maybe it was Psalms 138, Psalms 138, 6. For, the Lord, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So in other words, when we are lowly, when we are on a humble estate, God is with us. She remembers God uses murderers, shepherds, liars, all of the people who are low. Those seem to be the one that, that for some reason God chooses. The third thing I want to show you is that I can believe in the goodness of God. Some of us think, you know what, God, this, this year, and, and I'm just, where have you been? I, I, I just don't even know where you have been. Christmas doesn't feel like Christmas. I don't know what, where it is, but I guarantee you, Mary felt, God, I just don't know if this is entirely good. If I were going to, to bring in the savior of the world, maybe not put this all on the, the shoulders of a 13 or 14 year old girl. God, maybe there's a, another way that it seems like you're gonna sacrifice me at, at the cost of, of, of this mission. You know, there was so much pressure on her. I can't imagine how she was dealing with it, but yet she sings. This is what she says in verse 49. She sings, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She, she sees her estate and she sees that even though this is going to be hard, even though this is a difficult season, man, God has done great things for me. Where did she get that idea? Maybe it was Psalm 71. Your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heaven. You have done great things, O God. Who is like you? Maybe it was Psalms 111.9. It says, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. In verse 50, it says, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Where did she get the idea that God is going to bless generations and generations? Exodus chapter 20, it says, Uh, but showing love, steadfast love to thousands of those who keep, who love me and keep my commandments. Psalm 103, 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, his righteousness to his children's children. You see, we have these promises that God is going to be with us. He is always doing good things and he's going to continue to do good things. God's been good to you. In fact, right now, I think you need to to put that in the chat and say that to to your neighbor with a mask on, probably. God's been good to you. God has been good to you. He has rescued you. He has saved you. He has blessed you. You know, there's a, a time a few years ago when I was walking in Peru with, uh, on a mission trip, and we went up, and, and the day was kind of a, a wasted day, we thought, because everyone was out in their fields or had gone down into the city, and yet here we were, were miles away up in the mountains. So we just went on a walk and kind of saw some beautiful sights. We saw waterfalls, caves. We saw beautiful fields, valleys, and mountain views. It was just incredible. And I was talking with this, with this uh, man who we were going to start a church in his house. And uh, it, was, it was a very, you know, very small little neighborhood or street. It was basically like a village. It was so far away from the rest of the, the people. 
And as I was walk, uh, walking and talking with him, and uh, it was one of the few times that I wasn't even using a translator. We were just talking back and forth with my broken Spanish. And somehow we had this conversation and he was telling me, you know, how life, it's tough. It's, um, you know, they're poor up in the mountains. They don't have a, a lot of things and they spend most of their days out in the field working with their families. And then in the evenings when the when, uh, night begins to take over, they go inside and they've only got one or two rooms with lights. And so the whole family gathers in there and they just have a meal and they just hang out as their family in that one room until it's ready for bed. And as we're walking, he, he turns around and he says, hey, this is, uh, this is my field. This is the field where my family works. And uh, I want to show you this picture. This picture right here is a picture of the field. Now, if you're seeing this picture, you probably have the same thought that, that I had. So I, had, I, I saw this view and I just looked at him and he's telling me how, how poor he is and how blessed uh, we are in the United States and that he's excited that we're there, he said, because you know, you're from the United States. And I just stopped him and I said, you know, let me just say that I know about a million people who right now, even though they may have a hundredfold the money you have, I know a lot of people who would switch places with you right now just to be able to go out on this field every single day with their family and friends, work the field and then go spend time with their, their friends and families and, and have a meal together. And I said to him, I said, I think you're blessed I just wonder how many of us overlook the fields that we have, overlook the blessing of God, the beautiful views, the beautiful things that God has given to us. Maybe we're comparing, maybe it's uh, that we're magnifying our problems and not what God has blessed us with. But I just want to challenge you as Mary says, you know what? I can trust the goodness of God. God has been good to me. I want to challenge us with that same thing of to remember this Christmas, God's been good to us. God has been good to us. You know, if you struggle with anxiety or depression, or, or maybe you just feel abandoned by God, man, I hope this song would begin to give you some encouragement. You know, we have scriptures that are filled with promises that tell us a right view of who God is. God loves you so much, he sent his son through a, a virgin to be born in a lowliest, lowly state so that he could live a perfect life and he would eventually give his life, he would die on a cross for you so that anything you've done, no matter how many times you have screwed things up, no matter how many times you have failed, God took care of it. In fact, on the cross, Jesus took your sins. And the, the phrase, the promise that the, the Bible gives us is that you, if you have trusted in Christ, you are clothed in his righteousness. He has made you good. That's a promise that God has given to us. You know, your, your Savior is worthy to be magnified. Here's where I want us to go with this message. I hope this week that you will consider memorizing some of the promises of God. Because right now, there are some of us who are listening to voices that are giving us a skewed view of who God is. And remember, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And if you're thinking, you know what, God has abandoned me in this season. Or you know what, this is the hardest year. God has not shown up in this year. 
Or you know what? I, I have to take matters into my own hands because I can't trust God to do this. My hope is this. You'll read this song of a 13 or 14-year-old girl who has got the weight of the world on her, soldier, on her shoulders, but she's got the promises of God in her heart. And she chooses joy. She chooses to trust what God says about her and what God says he will do when we are weary. I want to encourage you this week to trust in the promises of God. And I promise if you do that, you will see a weary world rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up all those right now who are watching this, either watching it live on Facebook or on uh, our online campus, or maybe they're watching it a few days later, maybe it's been shared, but Lord, I pray whoever is overwhelmed with anxiety, whoever thinks that you have abandoned them, whoever is facing a depression of, you know what, I'm all alone in this and, and, and I have no help coming, Lord, I pray that we will look at all of the promises that you have made through your scriptures, and through our past, all of the times when we thought we were done for, and yet you somehow raised us up. You somehow brought us through it. And rather than facing our trials right now or, or any discouragement with, with a, I wonder if God's gonna show up, I pray that we'll have the faith that Mary had to sing a song knowing God's about to do something fantastic. Lord, because you our salvation, even on our worst day, we know that we are looking at a new and glorious morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.